Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition or at some point in the future want to exit their business. We're going to bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, and welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. I'm Julie Wilkinson, and I'm the owner and founder of Wilkinson Accounting Solutions. I started the Build and Exit off the back of the work we do with my company, uh, because we work on about three to five acquisitions a month, and came to realize that there was a big gap in the market of um, entrepreneurs, investors, and business owners truly understanding financial statements and how they're impacting the cash flow of their business, uh, valuations, and causing a lot of problems through due diligence because people haven't got the right paperwork set up. So I've had to date around about 14 guests. We're in August 23. Um, and I've decided to do a couple of episodes that are slightly different to normal. So I've had a lot of guests, everyone from sort of people who have done management buyouts, bought distressed companies, uh, funders, we've looked at HR, we've looked at a multitude of um, different areas. And we've got lots more to come. But I had a lot of people come to me and ask about my own personal journey. And I actually had the pleasure of being interviewed on live TV in July 23 uh, with a lady called Victoria Beale, who um, hosts a, a, a TV channel called NTV. And we've decided to bring those interviews into our podcast because it really gives an insight into the background, why I do what I do, and also, you know, why we're passionate about acquisitions myself and the company, and also what the future holds. So I'm excited to bring a lot of these sort of personal journey stories to the podcast channel. Uh, it's a bit of a different format because someone is interviewing me, not the other way around, but I think they're great for people to get to know the person behind the show. Uh, so we're at nearly 2000 downloads today, so which I'm really proud about. If you love our show, please hit the subscribe button. As I always say, if you have any content or episode content you'd like, always contact us. But I hope you enjoy my own personal episodes and I look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening, my name is Victoria Beale. I'm your host for NTV Unscripted. It's lovely to be back and see you all. I hope you've been well. I'm here today with my guest, the wonderful Julie Wilkinson. She is an amazing serial entrepreneur and emerges an acquisition specialist. Julie, thank you for coming today and being my guest. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute honour and privilege to have you here. So Julie, you've got an amazing story and I can't wait to share that with people at home. Um, tell us first of all about your sort of beginnings. Where was young Julie born and, and, and family life and so on? So I was born in Peterborough in Cambridgeshire. Um, I've lived there all my life. I, had a, I did take a year out, went to Australia for a year, but that's where I resided most of my life. Um, yeah, grew up with, I have got a sister. Um, I was my dad and my mum and my family, most of my family lives around. Um, I suppose I'd have what you'd call quite a standard childhood, really. You know, lived in a nice home, uh, went to school. Um, I had wouldn't say I did particularly that well in school but I was you know I was okay in school um I had quite a turning point in my life because when I was 14 my mum died 
Right. So obviously that was a big turning point uh, for us and for me especially because I was very um, close to my mum and I don't think I was that outgoing at that point. I used to stay at home quite a lot and be with her. So I think that was a big turning point for me and my mind changed a lot and I did, um, yeah, I think I really sort of turned I don't think I intentionally did it, but I think it like unintentionally happened a little bit. Like my lifestyle changed and my mindset changed a little bit from it. Right. How did that affect you at school and your education and so forth? Um, well, I was going into my GCSE year, so it wasn't ideal. Um, I did okay in school still, but I wouldn't say I exceeded probably for obvious reasons. Um, but it didn't really hinder me because I went, I didn't, I was really good at English and my teachers wanted to meet me to do English A-levels um, and other A-levels, but I just wasn't really ready to do that. So what I actually did was I went and did an MVQ in business studies. Um, so I got a bit of work experience and then I worked part-time at McDonald's as well, right. uh, just to save some money. And I did that. And then it, after I finished my, it was only about six months after I finished that, that I actually went traveling then. because I went traveling when I was 18 right. for a year. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like the uh, loss of your mother made you fearless in some respects, kind of let's just throw caution to the wind or were you a bit more cautious? Probably a little bit. I don't think it intentionally happened, but I think, you know, I saw, I suppose I was from quite what you'd call a traditional home. So my mum didn't really work and my dad sort of did. And um, my mum sort of built her whole life around us as the kids. And, you know, I didn't really ever see her have much of a, a friendship circle and things like that. And I think it kind of, and then obviously like she died young, she was only 40 wow. and that resonates quite a lot. Cause obviously I'm 40 this year. Yes. So, you know, she was young when she died. And I think, I suppose, obviously she, she loved looking after the children. So she didn't really have much of a life of her own. I think that resonated with me a lot to sort of go out and just live my life really. Cause you, you, you don't expect that sort of thing to happen when you're young. Other people, it happens to other people, not to you really. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't think it intentionally happened, but I think probably unconsciously it happened. Yeah. Do you think that made you quite a strong person? The person yeah. you are today? Definitely. How, yeah. how did that impact on the person you are now? Well, I'm quite resilient. I kind of, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I don't know if it came just from that, but I think it must have had an impact in it. I mean, I've never really reflected or gone and spoken to anyone about it, so I don't quite know, but I think it must have had an impact in it. And um, I suppose it drives me because my mum didn't work so she didn't have like her own income stream and that's been one of the things I've definitely strived towards is sort of you know knowing I can cope on my own Mm -hmm. so I got a house quite young so I got I had my own house because I got some inheritance money so I got on the property ladder when I was about uh, when I got back from traveling so I was about 21 22 so I owned my own home from quite a young age as well so uh, that was really good fantastic so Fast forward a little bit. So you went traveling and I think you did some teaching as well. Tell us about that experience. Yeah. So I went to Australia for a gap year for 11 months and I went to Canada for a month as well on the way home. And I was a teaching assistant. So I worked in a, bought a private school. Um, in a place called Rockhampton which is in Queensland and I was a teaching assistant so I was a teaching assistant in the day uh, for the primary school kids and I I did help um, people that were struggling with maths and English I used to take them privately and help tutor them we used to do like school they had a private island so I don't know if you've ever heard of Great Keppel Island that actually was in Australia when um, what was the show um 
when the winners of this show, they used to go to Great Keppel. They actually owned one of the other islands. So okay. we used to go on some school trips and things. Fantastic. And then in the evening, I was a boarding mistress. So it was a private, it was a boarding school. Right. So we used to have to, so a couple of nights a week, you have to do like ground duties. And they had a private, we had an Olympic size swimming pool. So we used to do like pool duty and things like that. So, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. So then you went on, obviously, further education. Did you actually uh, go to university? No. No. No, I didn't go to university. That's an amazing thing to say because we'll come back to Julie's story later. This woman has built a very amazing, successful business in three years, three and a half years. Yeah, three and a half. But Julie, just tell us about your, um, where you kind of went to, you know, into your career. What were you doing kind of after you left the the teaching and the travelling and so forth? Yeah, so I came back and um, I lived with my sister and I started back in sort of purchase ledger roles. and yeah, I got, so I was working, I got made redundant. So we had an option to stay or leave and I chose to leave. And then I went and tried, I was like a, um, an underwriter for a little bit, just like a trainee underwriter. And I was there for a few months, but then I got made redundant again. Right. Um, so at that point I had two options. I had an option to, I got offered a position where I could have been like a trainee mortgage underwriter, um, or, um, I got offered a job at, um, British Sugar. Okay. And, um, so I suppose at the time, the trainee Morgan and Dwight seemed probably like it had a few more prospects long term than sort of the purchase ledger role. But the problem was I couldn't really afford to take the salary drop because it, it was like a trainee. It was quite back then. I mean, it's not quite the same now, but back then it was quite really low salary. Right. And I had my house at that time, so I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So I took the purchase ledger role. So I was in that role for a couple of years. And I suppose in the end, I just started to think if I lose my job here, because obviously I've been made redundant twice before. So it seemed like it could happen. I thought... I get paid quite well here. Would I get paid that well again? I thought I've got to do something here. I've got to like change my lifestyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I went and asked and I said, oh, can I study? Um, and they said, yes. Yeah. So they supported me through my study. So I did. I, so I studied through work. So I started AAT mm-hmm. um, and I did that evenings. So we didn't go to college like full time. We did it evening and weekends. So we did evenings. So I think AAT was about three and a half years. And then I went on to study SEMA. So that was weekend college. And actually I was... So British used to have a graduate scheme and all the people that used to do ACCL, SEMA, so the chartered, Mm -hmm. all sort of came from the graduate from university. I think I was only at that time one of two people ever that actually chartered, not going going through the graduate scheme through the university. And I think they did actually review their their process at that point see whether could more people study on the job. Yeah. And what was it about numbers and kind of this kind of thing that interested you? don't know really I, I didn't even think I mean I was about 25 when I started AAT so I suppose I was a bit of a late studier as well because not straight from school to be I didn't when I first started I didn't even think I was going to get past the first year from when I didn't really know because I hadn't studied for so long but I just sort of excelled in it and although yeah it is numbers it's quite especially seen as more strategic like strategic finance that was something that I took to like I was really good at like the top SEMA papers because that was really strategic and I just really enjoyed it I enjoyed the journey so I got a lot then I got a lot of promotions at work and I moved companies a couple of times and got some promotions and things like that so yeah yeah, I just really enjoyed it and I enjoyed this feeling of success as well I think and you're still quite young really for to be at the top of your game in that sector because it's quite a hard area to to be in isn't it if you're not graduate yeah so I chartered in the end I chartered at 30 so I've been chartered now over 10 years about 10 years yeah so I chartered just uh, when I was 30 yeah so then you went into a uh, employed until what, what age uh 37 about 36 37 and what was the the last role that you had uh so I was just senior finance in a 
uh, it was a retail company, a group company. I think group was about 250 million. I actually had a lot of project roles within that company. So I did have some jobs, but I did a lot of projects. I did a lot of cost out projects. Um, obviously, I know we talk about Walker's well, company in a bit, but one of the reasons I started the company was because some of the project roles got me in touch with some SME companies because I did some project work. They had done some acquisitions and I worked for some of the uh, smaller companies and it made me realise, oh, these are quite mm. poorly run, I suppose, <laughs> put it nicely. And um, yeah, so that's that gave me an insight into lots of different areas. I did lots of different projects, mm. ran big system implementations over sort of 500 people across like in different in different countries i used to oversee the u.s entity and the chinese entity as well so i did a lot of like imports and exports and things like that fantastic it's, st- it's still a massive achievement for someone that's so young and tell us about the personal life because i think you met your partner husband now during yeah. those times tell us about um about him you can say hello to him as well if you yeah. want to. hi mark <laughs> yeah, i think you should be watching <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I met, so we've been together 11 years. So actually I met him when I was studying SEMA and it was quite a funny story. He is on the screen now. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, that's <laughs> us. That's at the Isle of Wight because we do a lot of boating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met him. It was quite a funny story actually, because I met him as I was doing coming up to leading up to one of my exams. So it wasn't my top SEMA exams. I think it was the ones before. Mm. And, um, I remember we were chatting because we actually met online dating. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah online. <laughs> and I know. And I was messaging him and we were talking for quite a while. And I remember saying, oh, I can't because I'm, I'm studying. But then we met up the weekend before the um, the exam. And then I was like, right, I can't see you for a few days because my exam was on the Wednesday. Yeah. Discipline, you see? Yeah, discipline. <laughs> Although when I got to my top seamers, I never failed any exams, actually. I passed first time oh, on good. every single exam, oh, apart from when I got to my, uh, the one when we had to do three, and I was blame Mark, because I said, like, you took of my course. attention away. Yeah. It's always his fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. But here you are, Julie, yeah. on a TV show. So. Yeah, I know. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah. fantastic and tell us have I mean, you got a couple of lovely dogs as well I don't know the producer have been dying to show you these photographs at home <laughs> yes so tell us about your lovely doggies there they are oh yeah are. well unfortunately the white one's passed now oh, yeah um and we've got so we had a white Alsatian Dudley uh and Teddy the black ones and a key across Alsatian right, um he's still alive um and then we've got a new puppy now called Jessie she's oh. six months old she's actually an Aussie doodle so she's a cross between an Australian shepherd and a standard poodle fantastic and tell us about you've got this dog whisperer diploma I call it but it's not called that at all no (laughs) what what is it Julie please Uh. tell everyone So I did an animal psychology diploma. I did that way back when we first got, because I'd never had any dogs. And obviously Dudley and Teddy are big dogs. Um, My husband's um, dad had a Rottweiler Alsatian. So he had grown up with dogs. I actually got attacked by a dog when I was young. So I wasn't really, I wouldn't say I was like, didn't like dogs. I wasn't really fearful of them, but I'd just never been brought up in that environment. So at first I was a bit like, I don't even want a dog. I Mm. I was like, it'll be your dog. So um, again, this is quite a funny story. So we got, so we did research a lot about the breeds because obviously some breed, bigger breeds need more walking than others. So we sort of fell in love with Dudley. So we brought Dudley home and I said to my husband, it'll be your dog. And then literally a couple of days after we got him, he was like, oh, I'm going away for four days. And he sort of left me with this dog. Right. So I was like, what am I going to do with this dog for four days? Anyway, he came home from that and me and Dudley were just like inseparable after that. He was like, that's meant to be my dog. And I was like, no, it's my dog now. Uh. <laughs> anyway, then things were happening with Dudley. So, I mean... Because obviously Mark hadn't really had a, his own dog; he'd been as a family pet, and this dog just wasn't listening. And we'll go and sit, and I was just like, he doesn't know what we're saying, you know, because we were just trying to tell it to sit. So we got this uh, dog trainer, yeah. and she showed us click training, yeah. and um, 
well, she did more in about 30 seconds than we'd done in about 12 weeks. Right. Um, so I just really took to it and then I started training them. And then I was just interested. So I did this animal psychology show just to sort of learn behaviours mm. and things like that. Because obviously they were big, so they had to be well trained. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, and to be honest, they've been really good. Yeah, really good. And you've got other outdoor interests as well. You've, you've been, you do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Can you run through all that for us? Yeah, so we've got a six and a half metre rib, mm-hmm. which is when we go to the Isle of Wight, that's when we that's on the water that's where we go um we've we've had a couple of jet skis uh so we've kind of always been into motorboating um but we've recently just sold the jet ski we've just bought a sort of small sailing boat catamaran so we're just kind of getting into that at the minute so um next year we've booked a holiday to go and we've hired out a like chartering a 40 foot sailing boat Mm -hmm. that will get us our i think it gets like our competent crew like an RYA one day competent crew license or something from that holiday. Fantastic. So yeah, we're trying to train ourselves. So eventually we want to get maybe our own bigger catamaran. So one day. Tell us about your um, interest in health and wellness and mindfulness, because that's only been quite a recent shift, hasn't it? Yeah. So I started this year. So my sister sort of transferred from accounting she trained to do belief coding yeah. and she's been quite into wellness for a couple of years and I was a little bit closed but I think it started for me because I went to Jamaica in January like this really nice holiday and the business ran when I was like I had nearly a month off and I came back and I thought I actually still felt a little bit bored on the holiday. Like I had a good time on the holiday, but it made me realise that it doesn't really matter where you go. Mm. Money doesn't really fulfil you. No. And uh, so I started, went, so I joined a wellness centre. So I've got a wellness centre local to us, which I went on, which I go to now. So I do yoga three times a week. Mm. And um, yeah, I just started to read a lot and watch a lot of podcasts on sort of meditation and manifestation. Right. Uh, so yeah, I really, I, I do it a lot now. I, I probably meditate well I think I do it just like naturally when things get tough but I meditate at least three times a day right I do a lot of like manifestation and uh mindfulness um sort of breathing exercises and journaling and gratitude journals and things like that so and can you um share with us some of the manifestation techniques for the audience at home yeah, so, well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't, no, I don't no, no. I, yeah, but... <laughs> Disclaimer, we've just written it. Yes, but, so what I believe, yes. what it does for me is meditation yes. brings me back to the present. Yeah. So what I do know is 95% of our actions are going from our unconscious mind and their traumas and things that have happened in the past that are telling the stories that basically aren't true. Right. So I find that meditation brings me back to now. So when my mind goes, because I think it does in everyone, everyone's mind think the worst case scenario, you know, when it goes ridiculous and you start... To, I think things are yes. people, absolutely. And... Um, so the meditation sort of brings you back to the present. So it's just sort of breathing exercises. So like put your feet on the floor right. and just feel the floor right. and breathe deep breaths. Bare feet? Yeah, bare feet, yeah, yeah. Bare, bare feet generally, yeah. yeah. So, um, and if you run out of time, I mean, I do it in the shower sometimes mm. just to like mm. utilise time effectively. Yeah. Whereas manifestation is more about living, like realising your dreams. So the brain doesn't know reality from fiction so if you tell yourself you're going to be a millionaire you're a millionaire if you just kept telling yourself you were a millionaire the brain doesn't actually know you're not the body might know but the brain doesn't this is what I'm led to believe mm-hmm. and so that that's why you have the manifesting techniques is to well in a way you could argue you're lying to yourself but you're not you just truly believe something's going to happen and it, it's not like it just falls from the sky and happens you still have to take action but what it's meant to do is you make more conscious decisions because you're meditating your mind's clearer mm-hmm. you think more clearly so you make better decisions right can um, you talk us through like the techniques that you would use for the manifestation 
yeah, so close your eyes for 12 minutes three times a day and basically just visualize what you want. So what does it look like? So if like, so if you, so I'm doing professional speaking. So if I'm visualizing what professional speaking is, it's well here, you know, on, on TV, on stage, but like, who are the inspirational people that do that? That, you know, what do they look like? How do they behave? Mm -hmm. So one thing I, so in the, so I have like a morning routine. So now when I get up in the morning for the first 15 minutes, I always I don't do anything for the first hour on like socials or emails. Right. I just get up and I think to myself, right, who do I want to be today? Like, how do I want to show up? What do I want my life to be? Mm. Like telling myself like what I want, like what am I going to achieve? And do you say it? Do you yeah. think it? Do you write it? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I say it and think it a lot. Sometimes I journal it. Um, and because that just puts you in a place that you're taking control of what you want. Mm. Um, and then I meditate. So then I suppose, and I think for me, the meditation and manifestation comes together, whether you are meant to do it separately, I don't, because like I said, I've only been doing it for six months. So, mm. and I have my own sort of wellbeing coach, because mm. um, I think everyone should invest in themselves. Just to leave everyone on that happy note, um, what has this, this uh, shift and transformation done for you personally? to share that with us oh it's like changed my life yeah like my my outlook on life the way I behave I can definitely see it and I I think I do make well hence I'm here with you because it's all happened happening. You know, in the last uh you know well for me it's been a bit of a journey but I've taken a lot of big actions especially over the last few months not like worrying so much and even when I think oh this might happen actually realizing but it's not happening today Fantastic. Well, look, Julie, let's pick up from there and we'll just talk about how that kind of has affected your entrepreneurial life. Um, if you could just elaborate on that for us. Yeah. So I think for me personally, it's just helped me become clearer. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, like I say, I meditate all the time. I think I do it like naturally now just throughout the day. So when you have hard times, because we all do as business owners and in life in general, really, I just go and breathe, even if I just take five seconds just to breathe. And it definitely, and you know, I've made some more, well, I say rash, but more sort of decisions that are sort of changing my life. Because I think, you know, we all go to the point where we have a bit of fear. Mm -hmm. Oh, can I do this? Or can I do that? Mm -hmm. Um and the fear holds us back from where we want to get to. And I find that when I meditate and manifest, I sort of see visions more. And I'm just like, actually, I believe in myself, so I know I can do this. And then I take the action from, from that belief. Right. That's important. That's chain yeah. events there. And make sure you take notice of this at home, ladies and gentlemen. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast, then please share it with them. Either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a Facebook group or other social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. We've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon. 